Offenheim, a Miami-based architect whose work has been praised for its ability to transform the prosaic into the poetic. Through passion and sensitivity towards man and nature, Mr. Oppenheim creates monumental yet silent architecture that insists the site's inherent power. A graduate of Cornell University and a fellow of the American Institute of Architects, he has lectured very widely and has taught at various architecture schools, including the very famous Harvard University's Graduate School of Design, and most recently, Cornell University's College of Architecture, Art, and Planning. In the year 1999, he founded Oppenheim Architecture, which has garnered global recognition at many scales. From dealing with large-scale urban architecture, hotels, resorts, to private residences, interiors, and furnishings. The international practice has received over 90 industry awards with more than 60 from the uh, Association, um, the American Institute of Architects, including the AIA's highest distinction, the silver medal, as well as a 2018 National Design Award from C Cooper Hewitt Smithsonian Design Museum. The award-winning firm's work has been featured in almost 1,000 publications around the globe, including multiple appearances in the New York Times and Architectural Record. He currently resides in Miami Beach with his wife and muse, Alona, and their son, Hendrix, and their daughter, Lilo. To tell you about his, um, uh, his firm in more detail, Openham Architecture and Design is an architecture, interior design, and planning firm based in Miami with an office in Basel, Switzerland. With over 65 firm distinctions, including over 45 AIA awards, the work is based on both physical and spiritual contextual sensitivity supported by uh, evocative and economic design solutions. The firm designs with a sensitivity towards man and nature, harmonizing this with the surroundings of each of these two contexts. Projects spanning 25 countries are crafted to establish the perfect balance between artistry and economics, a timeless architecture that is as beautiful as it is very much functional. The firm specializes in mixed-use hotels and resorts, retail, commercial offices, and residential buildings worldwide that all serve to enhance life. So welcome, uh, Mr. Chad, to this talk. And without further ado, I would like to pose the first question to you. So as Vivek has mentioned, the theme, central theme of this webinar is around timeless architecture. And it has become a word which the architects today are very much fond of using. They have been using the term timeless. It has been became so fancy and trendy to use it around a lot of things. For example, it's very easy to say that a building is revealed because it's so timeless. But what essentially does this timeless actually mean in terms of all the design decisions and physical results involved with the building? What are the nut and bolt of timeless design and architecture as for you? Over to you, sir. Yeah, well, yeah. it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a it's a great question. I, I just wanted to say hello to everyone and uh, very excited to, to be here and discuss this uh, very interesting topic. I think, you know, today we're exposed to so much architecture. And right now I'm in actually Colorado, you guys are all around the world and, you know, we can see what's going on everywhere in the world. And that's very exciting. I remember when I was an architecture student, you know, you had to go drive somewhere, you had to go to the library, or something, now you can like just search online and be exposed to all the incredible architecture that's happening around the world. And, you know, this is great, but it's also in some ways uh, a challenge because uh, it's very seductive to see beautiful images. 
and and very compelling things. And and you know, when I was a, a student at at Cornell, I also was seduced by all the books and and the magazines that they had at at, at the university, which I never was exposed to growing up in the suburbs of of New York. Um, and I began to be highly compelled by all the beauty of the work. And then I, I had the opportunity to travel to many of these projects. And I began to realize that it's not how it looks, architecture. That's one thing, right? You can have beautiful drawings, you can have beautiful renderings, you can have you know, beautiful photographs. But really what it's about is the feeling, is the feeling you get in a place. And I learned very early on that you don't need to have something incredibly complex and dynamic to have a great feeling. And, and feeling is all the senses, right? It's, it's the smell, the taste, the sound. Uh, and I believe that in creating timeless architecture, one needs to to think about all these things, to think about how the building exists in its context, you know, in its physical context, in its metaphysical context, um, and really deal with universal and eternal uh, truths about creating this sensation of, of architecture and space. And that you know, sometimes in my mind goes more back to the classic notions of proportion, scale, materiality, sense of experience, procession through spaces, many of these things that, that we've somehow lost in generating, you know, very seductive forms. And I personally have trouble with arbitrary form generation. And I'm going to show you guys in uh, a little bit later in the talk uh, this struggle that we have, you know, because we are looking for that eternal truth. We are trying to uncover it, and it's not something that we know from the beginning. It's something that we have to find and discover. So it's uh, I'll I'll share with you how we how we go about that. That's that's great to hear. That um, it is something that kind of endures you to think about the basic functionalities of why the buildings are to be made at the first place rather than following the trends which are maybe perhaps uh, driven by market considerations or perhaps overtly uh, uh, being being possessive about the various forms which people would like to have. So, so in, in the essence, it strives to capture the, the, the basic necessity, the functionality which needs to be derived out of the building. Very well said. But, but my next question uh, gets to the same point which I've highlighted. In, in a trend uh, wherein we are witnessing increasing influences of market-driven decisions, or perhaps some other considerations, maybe uh, the, the, the aspiration to get into those design books and, and get listed in the magazines, how does uh, one would like to uh, focus upon this timelessness in their architectural practice and design? Like what is the, importance or the necessity to, to stop and hold back at the moment and to start thinking about the timelessness of the design as well. Yeah, well, I think you, you made a really uh, interesting point about function. And 
you know, interestingly enough, like we we start every project by, you know, multiple from multiple perspectives simultaneously. One is like, you know, what is the heart telling us? Right. Like what is uh, what do we want it to feel like? What are, what are the sensations? How can we enhance people's lives? Right. How can we make the feeling of these places, um, you know, sensational and wonderful? Right. Like if you're going to go through the effort, you might as well make it amazing. Right. And, and make people feel good. Right. And that's that's what we're here for. And then there's also like the the brain. Right. Like the the functionality, the flow. And, you know, we're simultaneously, you know, fusing those things together at every opportunity. So, you know, dealing with market conditions, uh, dealing with efficiency, right? Uh, we've never had a client, no matter how wealthy, tell us that budget is irrelevant. So, you know, at making the project appropriate for its uh, conditions, right? Is it a luxury project? Uh, affordable project, um, all these things and balancing, you know, the role of the architect is when I think about it, it gets me nervous, right? You have to, you know, be a, an artist, a mathematician, a builder, a engineer, all these things and, and understand marketing and, and, and sales and development and, and all these different aspects. And that's all going on, you know, in our heads simultaneously um you know so i think all these things have to flow together and once you you find that 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 perfect balance that equilibrium between all these elements you know that's where it becomes you know what we think is like the truth the answer the the sort of timeless solution that doesn't think about what you were talking about, like, how can we get into the magazine? You know, how do we, how do we, like, I, I, I oftentimes start a talk about uh, the beauty of architecture without architects, you know, and I think there, there, it's a very interesting way to approach it, right? Like if you think about kind of ancient uh, architecture, you know, there was, there was always a, uh, we have to build, and I'm not talking like palaces, like in India and like wonderful architecture, but more like prosaic architecture, architecture that was just ordinary, right? And they built with materials that were nearby. They solved problems um, that were just basic fundamental problems. No one was thinking I'm going to be in the publication or I want to be a famous architect. They were just dealing with climate, shelter, how to create the most pleasurable uh, existence, right? Because, um, you know, when we didn't have technology, like air conditioning and electricity and power and light, how do you, how do you sort of mitigate the climate to create the most comfortable existence? And, and I like to look at those types of architecture. I like to approach a project with those those eyes you know to see the way ancient people would see a project you know not about thinking about you know prestige and am i going to get a, a lot of uh, likes on the instagram you know like and, and is it going to be published but thinking about you know solving these universal um you know sensations of of really mitigating climate 
and and making a, an environment pleasurable. So you know, functionality is is really the backbone of of what we do. And and it's funny because we have to we have to prove it to people because you know people see the fantastic architecture and they think like, well, you guys, you know, you're crazy. You don't think about, you know, practicality and stuff. And I'm like, no, it's actually, that's where we start. And, uh, you know, and it's a, it's a big, we take it on as a, as a big responsibility. I think you have highlighted a very crucial point. Uh, and I would like to highlight that. Yes, you have rightly mentioned that previously we did not have uh, technology with us. We had fair limitations in terms of uh, where to get the material from, what was uh, the basic function of the buildings or the environment which was there to uh, perhaps support us, nurture us. Uh, today, the ch we, we do have technology, but we have got a lot of challenges in hand. So we have got climate change, global warming, all those local and macro and micro level uh, issues which are concerned with the habitable built environment. Uh, so, so probably even with the use of technology, the challenges have increased multifold. And that is where I'm going to direct my next question to you, that uh, how to find the clients uh, uh, who, who appreciate and respect the kind of balance which you are talking about between architecture and nature pertaining to the prevailing conditions of global uh, uh, environmental challenges. You have just rightly mentioned about um, uh, keeping in check the realities which we all are facing in different parts of the world. So how to find those kind of clients? And once you have uh, found or not been able to found, how to perhaps convince them about all these things? Yeah, well, it's a great question. And I, I, I wish I had a good answer. Um, I, I, I wish I could find them or find more of them, but you know, in, in essence, they sort of find us um which is good and bad you know good in that eventually people find us because that's they're they're on the same wavelength right the same they're they're after the same thing um but at the same time you know you have to wait and uh pray and you know hope that uh, someone's going to to see what you're doing and 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 believe in it right so um that's also one of the you know, the interesting challenges of being an architect, right? It's that, um, you know, we've done our own projects where we've developed our own projects, but that takes a whole other, um, you know, set of skills. And, you know, when we, you know, we started, we, we started developing our own projects. It made us better architects. It made us um, more sensitive to the realities of, of economics and how a building needs to work, right? Because anyone could design an incredible building, but can you do it on a budget? Can you do it that meets all the functional requirements and, and the desires of, of a client? So, you know, we're very, very um, religious about our, our client, um, providing the client everything that they need and everything that they want and everything that they dreamed or not even dreamed yet. And, you know, and, and I think that what, what's great is that there are clients who are thinking the same way and, and, you know, we're transmitting the signal out there to the, the, the universe. And then, you know, somehow people are getting that resonating with it and, um, and contacting us. I mean, it's, it's very interesting, you know, we get random, emails and, and phone calls on a regular basis where you're just like, 
wow, you know, where did these guys come from? And it's like a dream, um, you know? So we've been really blessed by having those opportunities. Um, and, um, you know, and they, they come from, from all around the world. So um, it, it's, uh, it's an important thing to, to find a client that has the shared um, aspirations. And it, I think it's very difficult um, and, you know, we always try to elevate ourselves as well as our clients and the projects, but I think it's very difficult and not a worthwhile uh, exploration to, to work in a relationship that's not going after the same, the same objective. And, um, you know, and, and that's, um, you know, makes it limited to what you can do because you're essentially waiting for the right people to, to find you. And, you know, fortunately, we, we, we have enough of those people, but it's always nice to, um, you know, have more people who resonate with the objectives that, that we're trying to, to put out there. So that's a very fair point, I would say, because, you know, uh, it becomes very crucial to get on the same platform, get under the same understanding. Um, there, there is a significant amount of lot which would still prefer to go by the market trends or commercial aspects without uh, having the consideration of uh, perhaps what we are trying to pitch onto them or, or what you have said, what we are trying to elevate uh, their, their proposal up to. But uh, do you think there is a scope for uh, educating the clients as well? So we all are gathered here for, for perhaps getting a insight about uh, the timelessness of architecture or timeless architecture. But, but uh, do you think it is feasible for us to perhaps try to pitch in our ideas or try to devote some efforts just to uh, perhaps in extreme cases, try to elevate the client onto the same platform because there might be open-ended clients uh, uh, who perhaps might not have the insight which we as an architects have, but, but they would mm -hmm. once, once we convince them they are perhaps up for it. So, so uh, yeah. there is a feasibility, have you came across certain people? And if yes, then what is the best approach to perhaps try to pitch in our idea of timelessness? Yeah, well, I think, you know, you, you never really know what, you know, when you meet someone, right? It takes time to, and I'm, a, I'm incredibly optimistic about everyone I meet, you know, anytime the phone rings or, an email, you know, I'm getting like, oh my God, I'm so excited, you know, like this is amazing and let's do it. And it's going to be such a great project. So I'm like, always like immediately I get really excited and I think about like, wow, you know, uh, you know, like I, I, I kind of visualize it, you know, I'm thinking like, wouldn't it be great to do a project in India? You know, I, I've always been a tremendous fan of, 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 you know, Indian architecture through the millennia. And, you know, in my mind, I'm always thinking like, wouldn't it be great? And then eventually someone will call you, you know, and, uh, and God willing that, that, that happens. But, you know, like in any relationship, um, you know, there's wonderful moments and, and challenging moments. And I think that, you know, we all, we're always trying to educate ourselves as well, right, in the process and, and keep pushing forward and keep, keep the objectives in our head. There's a, a book that I, I read over and over. Um, it's a famous book um, called The Fountainhead. It's uh, by Anne Rand. And I guess every architect 
you know, anyone, one of my students or anyone who comes to work in our office, I'm always like, you got to read this book. It's, uh, it's quite long and big, juicy one. And, um, you know, I like, I'm, I've been reading it with my son uh, for the fifth time or something. And uh, we're going slow this time because he gets interested in it and then he, he fades out. But, um, but what I, I find interesting is always trying to, to be truthful to ourselves, right? And then I believe if you're, like I never have to sell uh, an idea, but yet at the same time, I'm always selling an idea, right? But I, I believe it so much what we're doing. And I believe that there's no other, other way because not because we we're smart and, you know, we're genius and we come, it's because we've, we've searched and we've studied and we've, you know, throughout hundreds of ideas and we keep being relentless. So I think like a client, uh, can, can sense that, um, you know, that, that kind of feeling that, that, that we believe, you know, and that, that belief, um, can be contagious, right? Like when someone, you know, it's kind of like a cult or a sect, right? Like when someone believes something so much, it's like you can get other people to believe. So I, I do think we could all elevate, you know, we can elevate each other in the office and bring ideas and new ideas. And, you know, we love when people in the office, you know, add to the, the, the equation, you know, that they add, you know, young people, it could, could be anyone, right? It could be anyone who, you know, could even be my 12 year old son who comes by the office and has an idea. You know, I, I think it's about being uh, at the same time, being passionate, being um, uh, kind of severe in your pursuit, but also being open. And, and that's probably the most important thing that the clients are open you know, they're open-minded, they're receptive. They may not have the same ideas that you have, but they're open to uh, ideas and thinking and, and, and ways to take a different approach. And uh, I think it's that openness and that even like a personality, you know, like sometimes we go into a presentation and we're trying to get a job, uh, whether it be a competition or whatever, you know, and then the client, they know everything. You know, they know every, they're the experts and, you know, and, and I can tell immediately that that's probably not what, you know, is going to be for a good relationship. Right. But, you know, when you can uh, have a client who's uh, receptive and, and wants to learn and wants to explore and discover and, and maybe doesn't have like the, the end objective, that's, where it's a really good client. And it doesn't mean they're not experienced clients. Um, you know, some of the best clients that we've had, you know, we've had the pleasure of working with uh, Disney and Pixar, uh, the animation studio on a hotel in, in Shanghai. And, you know, these people obviously know what they're doing, right? Like Disney builds like probably the most of almost any organization in the world. Uh, all around the world and but they have they have a a sense of wonder a sense of a love of the process a, a, a love of teamwork and 
and uh, evolution of, of thinking. And it, it was, it was a really amazing, and then like throwing Pixar, you know, who've done some of the most incredible films like Cars and Up and Wally and The Incredibles and, you know, and we're working with all these geniuses and these creative types and they appreciate that process. You know, they appreciate the, the search that, you know, when they do a movie, you know, they don't just draw it and done in like a couple hours, you know, it's years and years of, you know, evolving and refining. And, and of course we can't take that much time when we're doing architecture, right? They take four years to do a movie. Um, and while it might take three years to design and build a building, the design part has to happen, you know, relatively with, within a short duration. But, you know, it's, I think it's that openness and, uh, and I, I wish I had a, a, a better ability to, to sense, sense it out and, and to uh, search these, these people um, because that's what makes a, a project fun, right? It, it's a business, unfortunately, as well, you know, I, but at the same time, like, I don't think of it like a bit, it's like, it's my passion. It's what I, I get excited about, like that, that process. And, and, and I love working with creative people in the office creative consultants that we collaborate with, engineers and landscape architects and, and everyone. And then of course the client and, and the client is the most important uh, piece in this, this puzzle because they're the ones uh, paying and, uh, and they're the ones who we all have to get on board for, so they can believe what we believe. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, I think it's not only me who has got curious about the guy because you have mentioned about a lot of interesting projects. Uh, my, my next curiosity, uh, uh, which will manifest into the question, of course, revolves around your own experiences, your own challenges, uh, and, and perhaps your own learnings, which you have derived out of working your own projects, uh, which are considered as, as landmark in the context of timeless, timelessness. So uh, I now request you to kindly share your personal experiences, learnings, the challenges which you may have came across while dealing with some of your projects which are pretty close to you and which you regard uh, uh, as, as examples of timelessness so that the audience can perhaps uh, uh, more relate with what you have just said about your experiences, yeah. Sure, are you able to see my screen? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, perfect. So I'll just go through some of the thinking and the philosophies and, and how we sort of approach our, our projects. So one of the things that I, I think is important is that, you know, we are the most connected species that has lived on this planet. But at the same time, we're also the most disconnected. Um, you know, while we're connected here, and this is amazing, and we couldn't have done this, you know, many years ago, we're also oftentimes enveloped in our technology. Um, so the technology is like a double-edged sword. It, it allows us to do many things like this that are wonderful. Um, but at the same time, it also uh, disconnects us from our, our natural surroundings and, and the beauty of the place. And, you know, I'm looking at the screen, but I actually have, you know, mountains and other things uh, around me. Um, so 
you know, we're trying with our work to reconnect people to nature, to reconnect us with each other, and you know, to get back this paradise. And and by you know loving nature and and celebrating nature, you know, we we don't want to destroy nature, and we don't want that to turn into this, which it it already has. But you know, we haven't spoken about it. But to us, like the preservation of the natural environment, the enhancement of the natural environment is something that is very important to us. And, and that goes back to this idea of timelessness, of, of using resources in limited ways, using local resources and, and other things of that nature. And what we're trying to, to achieve here is this notion of a coexistence with nature, um, you know, I learned actually very early on in elementary school uh, when we learned about the native people uh, who lived in, in the United States before um, colonialization, you know, they lived with the land um, and we today live on the land. So we're constantly searching to see how we can kind of work and coexist with nature and 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 I think a lot about about this ancient ruin in uh, Cambodia, but I think it's like this really interesting balance. Uh, so we think a lot about nature and nature and the beauty of a place and how to connect uh, with the environment. And this is a, a villa that we did uh, on the beach uh, in a island uh, not too far from Miami. It's in a country called the Bahamas. And what we started to look at was the architecture that existed here for hundreds of years. And we basically took that architectural language, the, the elements like big roofs for shade um, and protection from the elements, uh, screens on the window, mitigating the breezes and opening the house to the climate, uh, using the materials that they used for hundreds of years there and we didn't want something that would be foreign we wanted it to to fit within the context we also didn't want to cut down any trees so we built the architecture uh, through the trees and around the trees and let the trees uh, come through the building and let the building disappear uh, within the jungle and be overcome uh, by nature uh, and at the same time allow the building to focus and see nature in new ways and appreciate it in ways that you have not seen before. So there's a very much a purity and a, a beauty about the power of seeing nature in a new way and letting the architecture flow from indoors to outside, that there's no boundaries. I mean, there are glass walls that retract, but the idea is that you're able to, to have this harmony between indoors and outdoors to mitigate the climate and celebrate the power and the connection uh, to the to our universe to to the earth right like this is the the sun lining up on the equinox uh, I'm sorry the moon uh, and, and then the sun rises here as well uh, but you could see how nature and the sky and the water become the star of the architecture and the architecture is more recessive. Uh, it's, it's very elemental. It's basically two rectangles uh, and a roof. Uh, 
but it creates this framework to see the beauty that you may have taken for granted, right? Because everything is focused on the view and on the, the surroundings, um, it's setting up a very powerful connection uh, to that place. And here you can see how some of the historical architecture gets um, becomes pure and elemental uh, with the large roof protecting from the elements and the louvers for the windows and how the house becomes really a way to experience uh, the place in a very, very powerful way. Uh, this is another project um, that we really are intrigued by. Uh, we were asked by a, a client to uh, create a, a, a community center, uh, a clubhouse, if you will, uh, where the dot is here. Uh, this is on the Red Sea. Uh, this is Israel, Jordan. Below us to the right is Saudi Arabia, and below to our left is Egypt. So it's a very politically charged area. But interestingly enough, everyone is out for uh, beauty and pleasure. So there, there really isn't, this is not where there's ever any battles. Everyone's here to enjoy the sea, whether you're in Saudi Arabia or Egypt or Israel or Jordan, everyone here is you know, looking for um, you know, enjoyment and, and, and pleasure. And we were asked, uh, to design this clubhouse for a community. And as we were looking around, uh, we began to, to see these mountains and hills and foothills, and we began to be inspired uh, by that. And when we got to the site, there was some earthwork that was done um, and the mixture of sort of man-made and the wind kind of smoothing out the shapes. And we, we told our client, uh, who, who wanted an iconic building. And for us, we, we're, we're searching for, I, that word scares me a bit. Uh, we're searching for something eternal and timeless. And I think oftentimes iconic could mean showing off, could mean, and we're looking for more of a, a silence, uh, a silent monumentality, you know, so you have the power, but you're not showing it off. So we wanted to create something that was essentially occupying uh, those dunes. So we, we basically worked to take the sort of natural sand formations that you would get through time, through wind, through erosion, and generate an inhabitable uh, dune. So, and using the sand and the minerals that were on site to turn this into an architecture. Um, so here you, you saw before the, the 3D calculations through engineering, and then here are some of the, the drawings and the sections. So the idea is that the building is being boiled down to its essence. There's no structure like you would have like columns or whatever, the, the skin is the structure and the skin is also very, very thin. And while that sounds like, wow, that's cool, it's very high tech, uh, we actually had to do it in a very low tech way. And we built this building by hand 
And we built it with people who have never built anything like this before, like Bedouins, uh, you know, native people in the desert. Uh, and we wanted it to be raw. We wanted it to have emotion and, and feeling and not be perfect, right? Like we, we think that there's a beauty in the power and the, the, the feeling and in the imperfect. So we built this in a, in a very interesting way. Um, here you can see just some images, but you can see there's no uh, machinery. We had one machine to pump concrete, but everything else was done by hand and done by a couple of people. So it's a very low tech, very economical uh, way to build. And, you know, it's very imperfect, uh, but that's where the beauty comes in. Um, so you can see here, we actually brought in some people to, to train the local contractors. So these gentlemen uh, came in from, from Switzerland and they were specialists in a shotcrete where we take the minerals of the, the earth around us and we, we turn it into, uh, mix it with the cement. Um, so you can see here, um, you know, the root, the rough and the crude. And then the one machine we had was the pump of the, of the cement. And that, that was it. And that turns into to this. So you can see how it's, you know, basically the elements of the earth turned into an architecture, how it's blending with its surroundings. Uh, the ultimate test, uh, the director of our office in, in Europe, uh, Beat Hussler, who was a, a classmate of mine at, at Cornell, uh, he, he spent much time out here in the desert and uh, proof of concept that the shell works, uh, really very excited. Uh, we also collaborated with a Jordanian artist who uses the minerals uh, of Jordan, of the surrounding desert, and mixes them into uh, his art. But in this case, the building was the art and the collaboration with local builders, local artists, uh, root the project uh, in its location. And here you can see how he works very scientifically, very precise. So a, a very uh, jokingly, he's, he's not very precise. It's a, a very rough and experimental. So here you can see him taking gold dust that's found in Jordan and, and mixing it in. And the end result is this really beautiful, um, imperfect, and you can see the minerals and the reflections and the color and how it matches the earth, um, and you can see here that, that it isn't this perfect uh, coat and the minerals and the richness and the, the hand and the, the passion of the people who, who built this place and how we can kind of learn from what has been built for thousands of years with screens and to protect from the elements to create, there's very little air conditioning uh, in this project, it, much of it is provided by 
the comfort is provided by deep overhangs and thermal mass and screens. Uh, but you get this, this richness and this, I, I would say, uh, not a confusion, but an intentional blurring of the boundaries between what is man-made and what is natural. And uh, so here we're, we're, we're sort of occupying uh, that earth. And then you can see it in some of the other buildings that were done, uh, one of the larger buildings and how it, 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 it's part of the earth. It's, it's not on the land, it's, it's with the land. And that is uh, you know, really very uh, important to us. Um, the last project I'm just gonna show you also speaks a little bit about this process. Um, this is in Basel in Switzerland. And you know, water is such a precious resource. It's probably gonna be more important than oil in the very short uh, future, and you know, better or worse. And there are already places that are running out of water. So the Swiss are, are very forward thinking uh, about the environment. And we were tasked with creating a facility that turned the Rhine River into drinking water from the surrounding areas. And as you can see, it's a, it's a very industrialized area. Uh, Basel is probably the most industrial uh, city uh, in Switzerland. Our office is further down here. Um, and we were existing our project on the edge of the industrial and the edge of the, the natural forest. And we were basically tasked with designing the skin of this building. And that for me was a challenge, right? And it could be anything. So, you know, we begin to explore different ways. Like, could we sink the building and make it a pond and make that the water and have this sort of mystical pond with lights down below of all the technical, uh, but the Swiss authorities uh, said that it would be dangerous. You might drive into the building, uh, but we thought that was a, a really great idea. Then we're like, well, could we make it uh, an earth mound and carve openings in it as well? And you know, they were like, no, no, someone could drive over it um, and might get confused. Um, but we thought that was a, a very interesting idea. But then we began to explore you know, the form, as I was mentioning before, how do we generate form? And for us, it, we're always trying to take away the arbitrary nature of form generation. So we struggle with this. We're like, oh, why this and not that? Why that and not this? And we, we begin to, to kind of get uh, ourselves a little crazy. So we began to, to think about it in a different way. What if we made the form about removing the extra area in the, the volume. So to compress the volume as small as we can and in such a, a fashion, creating a more efficient building. So we began to see, as we, we began to simulate in the computer, the reduction and the, the, the suction of the volume, creating like these very interesting Elements. So we, we kind of fixated on, on, on one uh, that began to uh, be the, the kind of most rationalized, I, I guess you can say. 
Um, and, but then we're like, well, what can we, what would we make this, this out of? And once again, like, you know, arbitrary materials are scary to us. They, they frighten us, you know, could it be wood, glass, metal? We're like, well, what were the most um, primitive ways that people held water and, and used water? And that's clay. And, you know, so we, we, the director of our office grew up in the area and he's like, oh, there's a clay area right above our office. So we rode his children's bikes up to the forest near the project and we extracted the clay from the area and then built, I built this model that was reminiscent of the simulations we did in the computer. So we took the, the sort of technical and brought it to the tactile, to brought it to the making of this by hand. And then we, we turned that into to drawings uh, and then you know renderings and then reality, you know, building. So the building is another sort of composition of building with the local material, mixing it with cement and creating uh, something that is not a building, but more of a geology, something that is part of the forest that the forest will grow over and consume and, and the building has moss and growth. And it's not about being this perfect structure, but being something that is more organic, more you know, part of the forest and, and it requires no maintenance. So it's a very economical, one of the things that was really important in this project is we could not make this building one Swiss franc more expensive than their budget. The Swiss are incredibly rigid with their budget. And it was also very scary because we were a, a United States office building a very public project. So we were under a lot of scrutiny. So we were able with no budget to create you know, a, a very um, unique building that was part of the forest. You could see the minerals of the, the forest and the clay, uh, but it still becomes a building that has actually no maintenance. So you don't have to paint it. It actually gets better as it becomes more part of the organic nature of the site. So here you can see how it kind of sculpts and captures light and it's very raw. Uh, we created a space, an internal space for learning about uh, water and, and the important process of the purification uh, and really seeing this building uh, as living with the land rather than, than merely on the land. So um, that gives you a, a little bit of, of a taste of our, our process, the, the construction, the evolution of an idea and, and how, we, um, how we conceive of these types of experiences. That's, that was a true delight to go through the elaborative process which you have just uh, showed to all our participants. I sincerely thank you very much for uh, being so generous with sharing the entire process through all the mediums. There were videos, photographs. And what I have been able to infer now, if, if, if somebody is going to ask me, 
uh, uh, what are the key components which constitute a timeless architect, uh, architecture. Uh, I have just scribbled down certain points which I'd like to share with you and all the participants say, uh, for example, importance of the functionality yeah. of the building, the adaptability, the relevance, the honesty in terms of approach, in terms of design, in terms of execution, uh, its connectivity with the surrounding nature environment, uh, taking advantage of the weathering, uh, the geometry that, that has to play uh, creatively to exert a confidence which the final structure would, uh, would, would imbibe to all those who was going to visit that particular site. And, and, and these are the points which I scribbled essentially uh, while, while drifting towards the conclusion of our session. But, but before uh, we kind of conclude, I would like to ask you the questions which might be on the minds of many of the French architects or youngsters who would be looking up at you. And, and what you have created. So uh, the final question to you is, uh, how to start uh, thinking about timeless architecture, the kind, right kind of approach, the thinking process to create it, uh, and where to look out for inspiration? Uh, because you have uh, right now mentioned about the inspirations for your own project, but, but for a new student, for a fresher, where to kind of look at the inspiration and how to conceptualize and deal with the creative blocks which one might come across. Well, I think you said it really well. It's the honesty, right? It's the, the truthfulness. Um, I, I think it's really about, number one, like being passionate, like just being like so um, consumed by your own mission and, and not giving up um, because it's a very frustrating uh, journey. I, I, I read something yesterday. Uh, I was in this uh, meditation garden and it said like um, the obstacle, it said something like the obstacles are, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of part of the journey, the obstacles, right? That, that it's an important part of the journey. And, you know, you will run into many obstacles um and i think it's about in some ways using those obstacles as as ways to to get stronger to sort of spring off of them and you know we are i am struggling every day like i i don't know if that's an ordinary an ordinary thing i mean i i i have friends who are architects and uh you know friendly with a many great architects, you know, who you know, have practice, you know, and some have passed away like Zaha Hadid, you know, and I never really got into the creative, but I'd say like the business aspects of, of architecture, you know, if you would speak to Zaha or Richard Rogers, or, you know, it seems like we all would deal with the same issues, you know, like the same uh, challenges, right, of turning something in your head into reality that is affected by so many external forces, right? Economic, political, I can't tell you like how many projects we've had where everything is like perfect. And then like suddenly, you know, there's a political issue and it stops or a financial global issue or what have you. And, um, but I think that it's, it's the search, it's the journey, it's, the obstacles that 
sometimes can be overwhelming. Uh, you know, that I'm dealing today, I was just on a, on a, in a meeting prior to this, where we're like struggling with a project that we've been like struggling. And I, I love the struggle. But I, I, I really enjoy the the resolution of the struggle, right? Like that to me is the ultimate euphoria where you've struggled with something, you've proved that it's the right thing and then you've solved the problem. And then, you know, that to me is like, it, it, it gives me such great, great satisfaction and, and joy, you know, where you've, you've gotten to that level where you're like, yes, that's it. This is amazing. And, you know, it just feels right. Um, so it, it's, I would be lying to tell you that it's easy, that, you know, that we, I, I am like up all the time, like thinking and struggling and trying new things. And, you know, it's exciting. And at the same time, it's invigorating, but also um, nerve wracking. And uh, there, there are many, Many, I had much more hair a couple of years ago, uh, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's the journey that, that makes it and, and hearing myself say it, I, I have to like, believe it more and more, you know, like, because um, it is the journey and, and the obstacles are the journey and, you know, and never, never give up. There are many times where, you know, I've wanted to, to give up and, you know, you just keep going and, and and search for the truth, search for the honesty, and 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 I think also search for the truth within you, right? What makes you special and unique, and being truthful to yourself, and also the honesty of a project. I think that's really important. Like, don't try to to emulate. Try to be inspired by what you see, and try to be inspired by the architects that are inspiring, but, you know, never imitate. Ne you know, always try to find your unique voice and, and the truth within you. That's, that's uh, I would say more inspiring than, than, than uh, you could have mentioned about a lot of technical aspects, but I think what you have shared just now is actually a food for thought for all those youngsters who would perhaps like to explore these options. It's, it's inspiring to perhaps learn that maybe the, the, uh, the people who have made it big go through the same set of creative blocks while, while exploring the options, exploring the solutions towards the pressing challenges. And, and once we realize that perhaps the, the, the creative blocks is, is perhaps the same for everyone who, which hinders our progress into that direction, I think we might get inspired to perhaps get beyond the, the barriers, the creative barriers or, or the challenges which, which uh, the physical and non-physical entities might be posing in front of us to, to come up with a solution that truly goes uh, into the definition of timeless architecture. Uh, as we are running short on time chat, I would just like to pick a very interesting question which one of the participants named Jalal from Istanbul has posed. Uh, the, the question is, how do you approach the tension between, or how do you approach to the tension between the essence of time and timeless architecture? How can an architect achieve being free from instant attractions and fashion? 
so so the dichotomy between the essence of time and timeless architecture how how to approach this tension yeah that, that's a that's a great question and i think it's just you know we're not we're not building without time right like we are in a specific time and we are we have certain technologies at our disposal but i i think it's about uh just approaching it with a more primitive sensibility um not relying on technology you know like and as you saw like we're using technology in the computer to simulate things but then we go back to the physical and then we go you know so um and the, these buildings you know maybe it would have been difficult to do them hundreds of years ago right um but i i think that um one needs to be conscious of of our context and of certainly time as part of that context and the time we're living in is is an important aspect right so the way i approach these things it's not thinking about timelessness right it's thinking about how to be respectful to the environment how to be creating the most um you know pleasurable experience without technology but also how to uh in some ways uh go against trends go against you know like thinking more about the universal truths and not being inspired by what i see in a, on, online or it, it's it's a it's a challenge you know it's uh there's so many seductions out there and and i think that if we we sort of allow ourselves to tap in to the honesty of an architecture the the truthfulness of a site you know what does the site want you know michelangelo the the great renaissance sculpture like would look at a piece of stone and be like what what does this block of marble he saw it in there it was already in there and he was just releasing it and in in some ways that's how we approach these projects is like it's on the site already we just have to like uncover it and and find it but there there are many uh you know distractions and seductions through through the time that that we live and and as you saw in the opening slide you know we're we're trying to go away from the technological away from the the multimedia the digital right because everything could just be like you know ar and vr and um you know so how do we make things more physical how do we how do we reconnect cuz in some ways like you know we believe that you know society over the last and civilization over the last thousands of years has been moving further and further away from nature and you know we're reacting to that at the same time we we want to go back and see how we can you know reconnect you know with each other and reconnect uh with the world around us and uh thank you yeah thank you very much chat for a very 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 uh enriching and extremely inspiring session for all the participants we thank are you. Now yeah. the organizers i am sincerely thankful to you for taking out time and not only just taking out time but also giving us a view of what all you have worked upon and how you have approached those problems and providing us case examples through which the youngsters and the people who are attending the session 
can truly ensure that whatever they are going to do next kind of uh, gets stick to the concept of uh, timeless architecture. Thank you very much once again, Chad. And with this, I would thank like to- Thank you for your time, everyone. <laughs> and uh, thank you for allowing me to uh, share my philosophies. Thank uh, you so much. With this, Chad, I would also like to extend my invitation to you to visit India. You will find a lot of examples, which perhaps- I'm, I'm dreaming about it. I'm dreaming. I need a project. That's how I go. I, I only travel for work. So uh, maybe something will happen and I will come. In the beginning, <laughs> you said that when, when you throw out your uh, intentions and, and your desires, perhaps the universe catches them and extends. Uh, I hope so. I hope so. I've been waiting, waiting patiently. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank so you. Thank you. Very inspiring. Okay. Uh, bye. 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 And with this, Vivek, uh, are you there? Uh, yes. Yeah, we, uh, we can end the session. Thank you. Thank you.